How can we bring into question the authenticity of the Book of Mormon? And how can we bring into question the authority of the leaders of the Mormon Church? We're going to talk about that today and a lot more on BibleStudyPodcast.org, starting now. Hello, everybody, and welcome once again to BibleStudyPodcast.org. Today is Wednesday, October the 31st, and I'm your host, Toby Logsdon. Of course, on Wednesdays, we do cultural issues and apologetics. Over the past several weeks, we've been covering Mormonism, and last week we went through part one of witnessing to Mormons, and we're talking about strategies for, for reaching them and things that we can say to, uh, to reach them. And of course, today we're going to wrap that up by talking about some of the ways that we can call into question the authority of the Book of Mormon and the authority of the leaders of the Mormon Church. But I hope you guys are having a great week. I have uh, I've had a cold all week. Of course, it's it's been cold outside. Uh, you know, we've had some you know temperatures down in the 30s overnight, which is which has actually been nice. You know, compared to the summer heat, you know, I'm not complaining. I just wish that uh, that my health would hurry up and get back since I have to preach this Sunday night. Uh, speaking of which, tomorrow we will have a study on Galatians uh, chapter one verses eleven through seventeen, I believe it is, and uh, that was a great sermon that we had this past Sunday night by Pastor Rich Myers at Oak Grove Baptist Church. I'll be speaking this uh, this Sunday night. If any of you live in the in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, you know, stop by Oak Grove Baptist Church in Waxhaw, and uh, I'll be speaking starting around six o'clock on Sunday night, and. Uh, I'm sure I'll have my, my voice back by then, but as you can probably tell right now, uh, I'm a little stuffed up, but I'm, I'm surviving. I'm okay. Uh, anyway, one final announcement. I do want to remind you that we have a recommended reading list on BibleStudyPodcast.org now. If you just go to BibleStudyPodcast.org, down on the right-hand side, you'll see a recommended reading list, and there are some great resources on there for you, uh, things that I would definitely recommend that you read if you're interested in apologetics. And of course, anytime you guys have any questions or concerns, you can email me at cleanslate.ministries at hotmail.com. And I apologize, I'm a little bit backed up with my emails right now, but uh, but I will get back to everybody. So thank you for your patience in advance. But let's go ahead and get started today. You know, last week we talked about some of the basics uh, when, when, you're, when you're trying to reach Mormons and some of the things that you need to, to kind of know and be prepared for in advance whenever you're going to be uh, discussing the reliability of Mormonism or the authenticity of Mormonism with a Mormon. And of course, I don't want you to listen to this podcast just yet if you haven't listened to last week's lesson on the basics of witnessing to Mormons. So this week, we're going to be finishing it up. Let's talk first about uh, how we question the authority of the Book of Mormon. Of course, the Book of Mormon is what they consider to be the most authoritative book in the world. In fact, in his book, History of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, Joseph Smith, the founder of Mormonism, uh, wrote, quote, I told the brethren that the Book of Mormon was the most correct of any book on earth and the keystone of our religion, and a man would get nearer to God by abiding by its precepts than by any other book. Now, you know, I've mentioned a problem or two with, with the Book of Mormon up to this point. I've mentioned a couple, but 
you know, you'll you'll need to have some specific ammunition ready, and that's what we're going to be talking about today. That's what I'm going to give you. So let's start with how we can bring into question the accuracy or or the reliability of the Book of Mormon, which you know, as we've seen, Mormons believe to be the the most correct book on the face of the earth. Now, first of all, scholars have determined, and and, and this is huge. I, I I can't believe that anybody can overlook this, but uh, scholars have determined that over 3,900 Yes, 3,900 changes have been made to the Book of Mormon between the first edition and the 1971 edition. 3,900 editions, 3,900 changes. And that doesn't include punctuation. You know, the the 1981 edition included uh, an additional 200 corrections or changes to the Book of Mormon. And so that means that there have been a total of over 4,100 changes that have been made to the Book of Mormon since it was written in 1830. Now, Mormon scholars are going to defend this by saying that most of those errors were typographical or grammatical or, uh, you know, that it was punctuation, you know, things like that. But, you know, let's look at the evidence here. Joseph Smith, in his book, The History of the Church of Latter-day Saints, he wrote that when he translated these golden plates, uh, you know, that were were written in, in this ancient language, that a very bright light appeared above him, which proclaimed, quote, these plates have been revealed by the power of God, and they have been translated by the power of God. The translation of them, which you have seen, is correct. Okay, so keep that in mind. So, so further, you know, a little bit further down the line, Joseph F. Smith, who's different, he was actually the sixth president of the Church of Latter-day Saints. Um, So anyway, he he was recognized as a prophet himself, Joseph F. Smith was. And he wrote in his journal that Joseph Smith, the original founder of Mormonism, quote, did not render the writing on the gold plates into the English language in his own style of language as many people believe, but every word and every letter was given to him by the gift and power of God. Unquote. Oh, really? Uh, you know, then, then why have so many revisions been made? Why have there been over 4,100 changes if every word and every letter was given to him by the gift and power of God? Either the prophets of Mormonism are mistaken, or they're false, or the Mormon God doesn't have the power or ability to write something that doesn't need revision or correction. So where is the room for error here? There has to be a mistake somewhere. Somebody's not getting the story straight. And uh, and finally, here's another example of how blatant some of the revisions to the Book of Mormon were. Uh, the 1830 edition of the Book of Mormon referred to King Benjamin in the Book of Mosiah, chapter 21, verse 28. But in today's version, King Benjamin has been replaced by King Mosiah. So this is clearly not a typographical or a grammatical or a punctual uh, mistake. This is obviously getting people's names confused and changing names around. You know, how is that possible? You know, so here are some things that that maybe you want to ask your Mormon friend when you're trying to reach them. First of all, why were these changes made to the Book of Mormon if each letter of each word was inspired and directed and approved by God? Secondly, why did God affirm to Joseph Smith that his translation was correct if the Book of Mormon was going to need over 4,100 revisions and corrections? Why would God affirm something that was not correct? Third, is it possible for a prophet of God to be mistaken? And what does, uh, you know, what does Deuteronomy chapter 13 verses 1 through 8 say? 
What does Deuteronomy uh, chapter 18, verse 22 say about a prophet who is mistaken? And a fourth question you can ask is, how can this be looked at or, or viewed as the most correct book on earth? Are you aware that the Bible has been demonstrated by archaeology to be the most accurate ancient book in the world since our Bible today says exactly what it said thousands of years ago? And actually, we're going to we're gonna hit on this big time in, in just a minute here. And, uh, you know, if, if your Mormon friend doesn't believe you, then ask them. Just come straight out and ask them if they'd be willing to examine the evidence for themselves because there are plenty of resources, you know, which, which make available, you know, copies. You can get copies of, of just pages or books of the 1830 edition of the Book of Mormon. So don't be afraid to, uh, to, to ask if they're willing to examine the evidence for themselves. And if they are a reasonable, rational person, they will be. They will be willing to look at the evidence for themselves. Now, the next point that you might want to bring up with them is that, you know, we can, we can dismantle the Book of Mormon uh, by the North American archaeological record. In the Book of Mormon, the book titled Mormon, chapter 6, verses 9 through 15, we read about these, these huge... Uh, these huge societies called Nephites and Lamanites, and they were these were two separate nations on North America, which had you know these large populations. And these two nations, the Nephites and the Lamanites, waged war against each other. And according to uh, Mormon chapter six verses nine through fifteen. Uh, hundreds of thousands of warriors and soldiers died in this battle, which allegedly took place uh, near what would be modern day New York in a place referred to as Hill Cumorah. Now. Keep in mind that this was written, the Book of Mormon was written prior to the explosion of archaeological digs in the late 19th to mid-20th centuries. Uh, you know, th that's when archaeology really started to take off. You know, the, the Indiana Jones movies were, were set, you know, back in the, in the 20s when archaeology was really, really, you know, taking off big time. But, however, you know, if, if such a battle, this battle between the, the Nephites and the Lamanites, if such a battle really occurred, where is the archaeological evidence. You know what? There is none. None's been found. But the Bible, on the other hand, has plenty of archaeological evidence to support it. In fact, the writings of Luke are so archaeologically accurate that they've actually they've actually helped archaeologists find places and find artifacts which were buried for centuries. Yes, there have been archaeologists who turned to the books of Luke who turned to Luke's writings and looked for points of reference which helped them find various things that were that were buried. But, you know, that's regarding the New Testament. Let's let's go back even further than that. You know, even the Old Testament has been supported by archaeology. There was a famous archaeologist named William F. Albright who uh, you know, he was famous about a hundred years ago for, for his archaeological digs, and he wrote that, quote, there can be no doubt that archaeology has confirmed the substantial historicity of the Old Testament tradition. You know, some of the archaeological evidence supporting the Old Testament includes approximately 10,000, yes, 10,000 Old Testament manuscripts, which were found near Cairo, and, and those, those started popping up around uh, the year 1890, which was obviously after the Book of Mormon had been written. And further, over 600 more manuscripts were found in the caves by the Dead Sea at Qumran. Now, U.S. News and World Reports 
they, they, you know, they look at stuff like this. They featured an article in 1999 titled, Is the Bible True? And in this article, they reported that, quote, in extraordinary ways, modern archaeology has affirmed the historical core of the Old Testament, corroborating key portions of the stories of Israel's patriarchs, the Exodus, the Davidic monarchy, and the life and times of Jesus. So, you know, taking all of this into consideration, you might, you know, ask some questions, you know, of your Mormon friend at this point. Ask them, uh, first of all, why is there no archaeological evidence to support the Church of Latter-day Saints or, or Mormonism? And which would you believe based on archaeological evidence, the Bible or the Book of Mormon? You know, they, they, they believe the Bible, but you know, the Book of Mormon was written a lot more recently. The, the the gold plates are a lot more recent than, you know, some of the things that, that happened in the Old Testament. But why can't we find any of that stuff? Why is there no archaeological evidence that's been demonstrated to support the Book of Mormon? And, you know, ask them this. Are you aware that the Smithsonian Museum of Natural History, which is probably the most prestigious museum in North America, the, uh, they deny that any ancient Egyptian or Hebrew writings have ever been discovered in North America. So, uh, you know, a final question that you might ask them is, can you show me any hard evidence by non-Mormon archaeologists to substantiate the claims of Mormonism? And you have to be very specific that it has to be from non-Mormon archaeologists. Because, you know, there are Mormon archaeologists who claim that they've found various artifacts and whatnot, but there are no non-Mormon archaeologists who would claim to have found any evidence supporting Mormonism. So now we turn to what might be just the, the greatest argument that we have for attacking the credibility of the Book of Mormon. And, you know, this whole section that we've been that we've been dealing with up to this point is, you know, bringing the Book of Mormon into question. And, you know, a key fact here is that the Book of Mormon contains over 27,000 words which were taken from the King James translation of the Bible and copied into the Book of Mormon. In other words, there is plagiarism in the Book of Mormon. But here's the problem. Mormons claim that those gold plates that Joseph Smith translated, you know, that those were from somewhere between 600 B.C. and 421 A.D. So, you know, if this is true, how could it have been that these huge quotes were copied out of the 1611 KJV, the King James translation of the Bible, you know, that was 1611. Um, you know, obviously the, the 421 AD date, you know, at the, the very most recent date of these gold plates is almost 1200 years prior to the translation of the KJV. Now, you know, I understand that, that it's possible that a sentence or, you know, maybe even, you know, a couple uh, sentences or a passage might be translated the same, but the Book of Mormon has entire chapters that were plagiarized from the Book of Isaiah. For example, you know, here, here are some examples of plagiarism in in both John chapter one verse thirty four and the Book of First Nephi chapter eleven verse seven. They both say bear record that it is the Son of God. Uh, Acts thirteen ten says pervert the right ways of the Lord. Well, so does First Nephi chapter thirteen verse twenty seven. You know, there are literally hundreds of examples of plagiarism found in the Book of Mormon, including, and, and this is key, don't miss this, including words that the 1611 KJV translators italicized to provide clarity and emphasis. Uh, those same words 
were italicized in the Book of Mormon. So how is it possible that the Book of Mormon just happens to have the same exact words written in italics to provide emphasis and clarity? You know, it's because there were no gold tablets. He just, you know, copied some stuff straight out of the KJV. You know, there is absolutely zero possibility of him, you know, just happening to italicize the same words. So that kind of brings into into question, you know, the the leaders and the founders, uh, but even the modern day leaders of Mormonism. So let's start by talking about the false prophecies of Joseph Smith. Now, remind your Mormon friend that a true prophet can make no false prophecies, no false predictions, according to Deuteronomy chapter 13, verses 1 through 8. Now, according to uh, to Joseph Smith, uh, he, you know, he prophesied the fall of the United States government. In his book, The History of the Church, he wrote, quote, I prophesy in the name of the Lord God of Israel, unless the United States redress the wrongs committed upon the saints, that is the, the, the Mormons, those who were associated with Joseph Smith, in the state of Missouri, and punish the crimes committed by her officers, that in a few years the government will be utterly overthrown and wasted. You know, Obviously, the uh, you know the government of the United States was never overthrown, and uh, we also have to note that no redress has ever been made toward the Mormon Church either. You know there was no uh, no no uh, reconciliation between the Mormons and the government. So um, you know another thing is that Joseph Smith also prophesied that there would be a, a, a new Jerusalem built in the state of Missouri during his lifetime. You know, obviously that didn't happen, but in the book called Doctrine and Covenants, he wrote, Verily, this is the word of the Lord, that the city New Jerusalem shall be built by the gathering of the saints, beginning at this place, and if you if you turn back a little bit, that was actually the western boundaries of the state of Missouri, beginning at this place, even the place of the temple, which temple shall be reared in this generation, for verily, this generation shall not all pass away until a house shall be built unto the Lord. So, you know, obviously no little town or or city called New Jerusalem was ever constructed during Joseph Smith's lifetime. So how can he be a prophet of God? These are things which he predicted, which didn't come to pass. Now, what does the Bible say about that? You know, ask your Mormon friend, what does it say about that? And how can he be called a prophet of God if he's making mistakes? But you know, Joseph Smith wasn't the only one. What about Brigham Young, who took over after Joseph Smith uh, w- was killed? Brigham Young was a false prophet as well. In his book called Journal of Discourses, he wrote, quote, Who can tell us of the inhabitants of this little planet that shines of an evening called the moon? What? Did he just say that there were inhabitants on the moon? People on the moon? He did. Okay, but he continues. He says, quote, So it is with regard to the inhabitants of the sun. Do you think it is inhabited? I rather think it is. Do you think there is any life there? No question of it. It was not made in vain. That's what Brigham Young wrote. So, uh, you know, you probably don't need to, to rub their nose in it or, or drag it on at this point. You can simply ask your Mormon friend if they think that there's life on the moon or the sun. And if they say no, uh, if, if they have a rational, reasonable mind, they will say no. Ask them how they can follow the teachings of a so-called prophet who affirmed that life does exist on the sun and moon. And, of course, if they still believe that uh, life exists on the sun and moon, uh, you know, they obviously don't have a, a very reasonable mind, and uh, the, the most you can probably do is is just pray for him at that point, to be honest, uh, and serious, 
that's that's um, that's the point where you kind of say, okay, well, let's talk about football. Uh, anyway, finally, you know, let's address an issue which pertains to the modern day Church of Latter Day Saints as well. Okay, in 1980, there was a man by the name of Mark Hoffman who revealed what was uh, what was supposedly a transcript that linked Joseph Smith to the occult. He had this this ancient or this old uh, transcript or manuscript which which linked Joseph Smith to the occult. However, this manuscript actually turned out to be fake. It was it was plagiarized. It, it wasn't it wasn't an authentic document. So before it was all said and done, though, uh, this Mark Hoffman guy had murdered two people. He murdered a bishop who was involved in the purchase of the documents from him on behalf of the Mormon Church, as well as the wife of another man who was involved in this purchase. But you know, before it was discovered that these documents were were less than authentic, that they were fake, the Mormon Church, which had paid several hundred thousand dollars for these uh, for these artifacts for these documents, proclaimed that they were authentic. So you know, they they believe that uh, that the 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 head of the church, the head of the Mormon Church, is a prophet of God. You know, in every generation, every generation has a prophet of God, and and that's who the the leader of the Mormon Church is. So, if God speaks today through these these so called prophets of the Church of Latter Day Saints, you know, even today, why did they proclaim that this was an authentic document? You know, if they were a prophet of God, they should have known that uh, that it wasn't authentic, or at least they never should have said that this was authentic. So. You know, these are just some things that that can hopefully help you get through a conversation uh, or or an, a witnessing encounter with uh, somebody who's a Mormon. I don't want you guys to be intimidated by Mormons. They are they are genuinely nice people for the most part, and uh, you know they need the gospel just as badly as anybody else. They need it as badly as we do. You know, uh, so so don't don't be afraid of witnessing to them because they need it. But anyway, you know, that that brings our lesson today to a close. Uh, My throat is killing me, but I'm going to drink some coffee here in just a second. And hopefully, uh, hopefully I'll be feeling better here pretty soon. You know, God bless you guys. Thank you so much for for listening today, for downloading this podcast. Of course, I want to remind you that we are a listener supported ministry and we can't carry out our mission without your support. So if you support what we're doing, if the Lord is leading you to support our cause, our mission, then you can go to BibleStudyPodcast.org and on the right hand side, you'll see a place where you can click on support and you can make a tax deductible donation to us from there. But again, thank you so much for listening today. I will see you guys next time. Don't forget to listen in tomorrow for our study on Galatians. I will see you guys next week. God bless you.